So how many years do you play at Princeton for? Um, I did four years. I did four years there. Um, I, I never thought that I was going to play professional hockey. I remember during my junior year, it was my draft year, and I was supposed to go in the seventh round somewhere, ironically, to the Senators. But um, that didn't end up happening, and it was a very, very big kick to my ego. Um, and it wasn't that I didn't – I didn't, it wasn't that I didn't think I could play pro. It was just like, I was, I was being realistic, which I think is sometimes a detriment to a lot of people being realistic, Like the odds are against you, you know, but when you start from, you know, when you're born, you know, what are the odds of being born? Then what are the odds of getting into Belmont Hill? Then what are the odds of getting into Princeton? Like it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So I didn't really focus on that. I was just like, my NHL right now is at Belmont Hill. So I'm going to be the best goalie I can be at Belmont Hill. If I do that, then I'll have an opportunity to go to the next level. Okay. So I, I did very well at Belmont Hill. Okay. What's the next thing? There's another, there's another step you got to take. Okay. College. How do, how do I, how do I manage that? How do I get better at this level? And I didn't actually play that much in, in college either. I only played like 48 games in four years, which is really nothing. Um, Played four games my freshman year. I think I played eight games my sophomore year, 11 my junior, and then 24 my senior. So I never really thought that like the NHL was like my goal. It was I wanted to use hockey, which I enjoyed, to help elevate me into positions of higher education that would give me a better life and hopefully not an easier life, but a have more resources by the time I was out of school because I, I grew up in a family that didn't really have a lot. My dad was a state trooper and my mom was a real estate agent and money was very tight. And I, and I, and I saw the financial struggle earlier. And I said to myself with the help of my brother and my dad, they didn't really, you know, censor the world for me. They told me how, what things were at a young age. And I think the, the earlier you understand that it may be scary and hard for, 13, 14, 15 year olds understand the reality of what adult life is, but the sooner that you can come to that realization, the more time you'll have to find out what passion you have and what drives you. And then you can formulate an attack and a plan of how to get there. And it's not, I, I, I feel, I feel not sorry, but I have empathy for a lot of kids who, who do what they're told blindly you know, go to, go to prep school, go to college. And then when they're done, they're just sitting there like, what do I do now? Developing up, a, developing a plan that follows your passion is, is something that I believe in wholeheartedly. And it's, I'm very lucky to have people who, who, who told me, you know, what, what the proper path is of achieving what I wanted and was able to do that. And I'm, and I'm still trying to figure out that path too right now at 30. So it's, it's an ever evolving learning situation and, so I'm not, I don't even know where I went with that question. I was kind of rambling a little bit, but. <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah. yeah it's a great answer. So after your college career came to an end, um, yeah. you signed with the Canadians and like, how did that, how did that feel? And like, how did that process come along? Uh, it, it was a pretty wild process. Um, so the end of my senior year, I think I, I played 24 games. I won eight of them. I was like eight, 11 and four. And usually Team, NHL teams will sign like the top three college goalies in the country and those are usually the goalies who are either like crazy statistically even though they're on a bad team 
or they're the goalies who won the national championship or had a really good run or won a lot of games. So winning is really the biggest predicator of who's going to get signed. So I didn't win any games. I didn't have an agent at the time. Um, my season ends, we lose the Cornell. It's about March 3rd, season's over, college career's over. I have no idea what's in front of me. Still, I still have to write a thesis and I still have to take two classes uh, my senior year, which you know they let you take less classes when you have to write a thesis. So I was a political science major with an international relations concentration. And when you're in those disciplines, it's a lot of reading and writing. So my thesis had to be over a hundred pages. And it's, it's, it's graded and read by people who literally wrote the books that you're reading and writing papers on. So they've lost more knowledge in the subject than you could ever learn. So it's kind of, it's, it's, it's tough. Cause it's like, how, how am I going to tell you about this when you wrote the book? But you do that anyway. So um, lose the Cornell, no idea what I'm doing. I want to play pro. I want to go see if I can play in the coast, um, East coast hockey league, which is the third tier below the American hockey league and then the NHL. And I'm just sitting there, cold calling teams. I'm looking at uh, the injury reports, seeing where goalies are injured and things like that. And was lucky to to link up with a with an agent of my my goalie coach at school. His age, because he was a goalie too. And he said, "Give this guy a call." I call him. Like, hey, this is my name is Mike Condon. Looking for looking to play. I was wondering if you could help me out. Ended up going on an amateur tryout to the Ontario Reign, which was a team in California but I knew nothing about the league and I, and I thought the Ontario rain was in Canada. So uh, that was, that was a whole set of, uh, I agreed to go to the team before I knew where it was. Uh, I went out there and I was just like, you know, I'm just going to go out there, have fun. Let's go out there and play, see what happens. You know, not sure where my career is going to go. Not sure if I'm going to keep playing. Ended up winning four games out of five great numbers, but I still have this paper to write and before I left for Ontario, I went to the library and I checked out like 42 books on, on what I thought was my, my topic and, and what I needed to research. And I had about two months to do it and took those 48 books with me on the road, was on planes, trains and automobiles, just reading about, you know, dense literature about all this uh, my thesis topic was post-Cold War arms transfer on arms transfers, and I had to research that and do a bunch of case studies. And it was really tough when you're trying to play and perform as a professional, but at, while doing your schoolwork. But that's something that I think I'm really good at, considering it was, that's all I did at Belmont Hill. That's all I did at Princeton. I'm like, this is just the status quo for me. So I did that, and then I wasn't playing anymore because another goalie got sent down, and I wanted to go back to school, finish up, and and, and be on campus and. I had my, my flight book back home to, to New Jersey and then some goalie got hurt on the Houston Arrows, which was the Minnesota Wilds uh, AHL team. And they're like, you want to come back up? No guarantees you're going to play. I said, okay. So I went up a level from the East Coast to AHL. So now I'm backing up in the AHL. Another goalie gets hurt. Another goalie gets hurt. And so now I'm starting for this team in the AHL. And I'm, and I'm like, what the, heck, what the heck is going on? Like this, like people don't get these breaks. This is crazy. Ended up uh, doing well there too. Ended up going to the Calder Cup semifinals against the Grand Rapids Griffins and um, had a bunch of really good games. And it was funny before game four of the playoffs, my agent called me and he was like, hey, um, this is like two hours before the game. I'm like grabbing my coffee, going to the game. And he was just like, uh, hey, uh, just want to let you know this. The whole Montreal organization is coming to watch you tonight to make a decision on you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, dude, why did you tell me that? <laughs> you know, like, I do not need that right now. Yeah. 
though. I mean, I'm getting dressed for the game. My hands are shaking. Like this is everything I ever wanted. This is, this is, this is uh, what I've worked so hard for my whole life. And I kind of just said to myself, you know, whatever comes, comes. And I end up having, you know, one of my greater games in my career that game. And uh, after the game, I got offered a maximum rookie contract by the Montreal Canadiens and signed it. And we ended up, unfortunately, losing the next night. But I flew back to Princeton after that. It was, uh, I think it was like May 5th. So from March 5th, I went from having no agent, no future, no hope, just going out there and, and competing. And I ended up returning to school with a completed thesis. I got it done. It wasn't very good, but I got it done. And um, with a, with a two-year entry-level contract with the most storied franchise in hockey, so uh, I kind of had to sit there for a couple nights and be like, is, is this really happening? But it, it did. So it's pretty crazy, pretty crazy time. <laughs> crazy long story there. It's really crazy. Long story, yeah. Yeah. So you signed with the Canadians and like, how, how, how did that feel from being from like Massachusetts, being a Boston Bruins fan growing up? It was, it was, uh, it was funny when I first told my dad, my brother, I was a diehard Bruins fan. I, uh, my 21st birthday, I got double, I got, the, I had my first hip surgery and I was in Boston and my brother got me tickets to the Bruins Canadians game six in handicap seating. He, I got a wheelchair and he wheeled me into the, into the garden. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was that game where, uh, Nathan Horton scored and they won in, um, in game six. Yeah. And, I remember it was like two days after surgery and after Horton scored, I jumped out, out of my seat forgetting that, you know, I just had my, my femur shaved, but um, so I was a Bruins fan. I went to the parade that year um, when they won the cup wearing a Jerry Cheever's Jersey. Um, so I was, I was a Bruins fan. So telling my brother and my dad was a, a pretty ironic uh, experience saying I'm going to go play for the blue blanc and rouge or, or at least attempt to, you know, make my way up their organization. And uh, it, it was, it was really strange. I got a lot of, a lot of ribbing, a lot of, a lot of fun, a lot of funny jokes at my expense. But at the same time, I, I was still a beggar. I couldn't be a chooser. You know, it was the only contract offer I had and I was grateful for it. And um, they're the only team that called me despite everything that I've gone through. And it's something that I'll forever be grateful for. And, I, uh, I still have a very special heart for spot in, in my heart from, from the city of Montreal. Yeah. It's a great city and team there. It is. Um, yeah. So you got a, you got a good break with uh, Carey Price getting hurt throughout the season, right? You're the backup, correct? Is that right? Yeah. I mean, well, even before that, it was, it was two long years in the minors, you know, it's, oh, yeah. it's uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, you make the team, you know, you think you like the, the, they go through this whole recruiting process. They bring out, you know, all the, all the cool stuff and they, they really want you to sign. They really want you to come there. But as soon as you sign, it's like, okay, you're here now. Join, join the flock. There's, you know, seven other goalies, 10 goalies in the organization who are all in their own right, uh, unbelievable players. And so now the level is even higher. Now you're taking that next step. So I had to go to, I go from that high of playing in the AHL and signing an NHL contract. And then they send you back down to the East coast league. <laughs> and they send me to a, in a place in West Virginia called Wheeling. And, you know, it's not, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a tiny, tiny town. Um, very impoverished. 
Um, not a lot of stuff going on there. It's just in the middle of the woods. Unbelievable people though. They'll give you their shirt off their back. The most kind people you ever meet. But, um, you know, now you're back there. Now, what are you going to do? You're in the middle of West Virginia. Um, but in the hardest part was I had no school. So it was the first time in 10 years that I didn't, I, I had this void and I was, I always, I was always waking up in the middle of the night with nightmares about not having done this homework assignment or not having, or I have an exam tomorrow that I haven't even studied for. And, um, learning how to, not having that academic load anymore really took a void out of my life. And so that was, I had to adjust to that, but it kind of helped me though. Cause now that books were gone or deadlines were gone academically, it was like, okay, this is a hundred percent in hockey. So ended up having one of my best years in, in West Virginia. We had a really good team. And then the next year I got promoted to the AHL club in Hamilton, Ontario, and ended up having a decent year there. And I, I re-signed another two-year contract with them and then ended up getting a camp. And it's uh, Dustin Tokarski was the backup goalie for Price. And um, Price wasn't hurt yet. And it was a, and they, uh, they told me it was an open backup competition to see who was going to back up Price. And sometimes they'll tell you that and they don't really mean it. But you know, I took it to heart and I'm like, I got I got the, the doors open all and, and all we really need in this game and in life is a crack. You just need a door to be open a crack and you just got to find a way to, to, to push yourself through that. And I, I had one of my best off seasons in the summer and, um, you know, it, it was funny. My trainer, it, the, the winter classic, uh, before I made the team got announced on like July 4th that they're going to have it. And my trainer, my trainer came up to me. He's like, wouldn't it be cool if you played in the winter classic. I was just like, there's no way, man. There's no way. And he's like, okay, we're going to, but we're going to have a winter classic mentality in the gym today. You're, you're, you're training as if you're playing in the winter classic. That's what your mentality has to be. And so I adopted it, even though it seems so far away and come training camp, have a great camp. I ended up playing three games in the preseason, never played an NHL minute, never stepped on an NHL rink, never played a preseason game before. Uh, so that was all new. Um, never wore the Canadians jersey and even in an exhibition game because even those preseason minutes are so hard to get between 10, 10 or six guys. And I was lucky to get a couple, couple of looks win my first game, win my second game and the third game ended up getting a shutout and um, ended up making the team at a training camp, which I didn't even think was possible. Uh, well, I, I thought it was possible, but like I said, I was being realistic again, which, you know, it's good to be realistic, but at the same time, you know, aim high and ended up making the team. And about, uh, about two weeks in the season, I get a high ankle sprain and my, my, my ankle is just mangled. It's swollen. It's the size of a golf ball. It's the size of a football and I'm getting a football tape job on it. And then we're in Edmonton and Carrie goes to do like a little push and he loses an edge and I'm sure you know when you watch a goalie, you can tell when something's right and something's wrong. And right away, I knew that something was wrong. And you end up finishing the game, but the next day, um, you get a call from the goalie coach that hey, you're you're starting tomorrow. We don't know. And then they call up Tukarski again, who's the guy who I just you know kind of replaced. And so now I'm competing with him in another open tryout type deal to see who's going to get the minutes and. It was it was a long year. I ended up playing 55 games that year. My first my first year in the NHL and with a with a mangled ankle. And the way it works is that you're on, I was on a two way contract, which means you get paid based on what league you're in. 
So my AHL salary was $65,000 and my NHL salary was $575,000. And, and a lot of people say it's not about the money, but it, it is part of it. Like I, I took a lot of student loans out to go to Princeton, you know, $90,000 worth of student loans to go to, to go to that school is what I paid. And, you know, I, I needed the money. I, I wanted to stay in the league and you can't give anyone an opportunity to come into the net or else they're going to take your job. Like I've, I've done it so many times to other people, not like me doing it, but I've had, I've had an opportunity to come in whether it was an injury or no fault of their own. But as soon as that door is open for somebody else, then, you know, a whole different set of variables arises. So it's basically, I, I, I said to myself, I can't afford not to play. I can't afford not to play. So I'm going to push through this injury and I ended up doing that and ended up doing pretty good. We, we were 21, I was thinking I was 21, 22 and 21, 25 and, and four. And we missed the playoffs, which is, which is a failure in their eyes, but it was a successful first year. It was tough with Kerry not being there the whole year. They never even told me if he was hurt or not, or when he was coming back, they kept on telling me that, Oh, he'll be back in two weeks. He'll be back in two weeks. And it just never happened. So, um, it was just staying in the moment. Who, who are you playing tonight? You know, what shots coming next, next puck, next shot, next practice, next flight. And just doing that until they tell you to stop. And that, that, that was my first year. So that was my first year. Mix in the winter classic, you know, mix in playing at Gillette stadium in front of your friends and family, mix in, um, you know, representing team USA uh, at the end of the year. Cause we missed the playoffs. So I think I ended up playing like, 65 hockey games that year which is the most of my life so it was a lot and I'm kind of still paying for it injury wise right now but we're on we're on the way out of it at least excuse me so as Carrie before you were the starter and Carrie Price was the starter how was it to like look up to him like one of one of the best goalies in the world it's it's crazy like I, I was still such a fan I still am such a fan like I, I just I uh I, you walk into the locker room and you see you see the Stanley Cups, you see uh, all the names that, that have worn that jersey, and then uh, you see your nameplate. You see M. Condon next to the C. Price uh, nameplate in the stalls, and you're like, how, how is this happening? This is crazy. This is, this is so cool. And, um, you know, as I was a fan, like, I, I used to stand up and cheer. I used to boo Carey Price when, when he got scored on, you know, <laughs> like – I never, I never thought that I'd be sharing a stall next to him, but I, I did. And, and he was one of the most, most kind and humble people, um, despite having immense pressure on his shoulders, um, not only being the face for the Montreal Canadiens, but also being one of the preeminent Canadian goalies in the country. So um, you would think a guy like that would have a huge ego. You'd think that he would be, you know, not uh, – I wouldn't say not kind, but not as uh, involved with people below his stature, but he was uh, one of the nicest guys to me. He, he really, um, he wasn't really around that much because he was hurt after he got hurt, but during training camp, he was, he was very kind and um, really helped me a lot with just little logistical things like how to be like, how to be a pro, like what is, what does the schedule mean? Um, what does practice mean? Like just little practice stuff. And uh, like, even when we weren't in the same ice, I would just go and watch him all the time. Because he is just one of the smoothest, um, calm yet explosive and powerful people uh, out there, and, and he's also a great person too. So, um, and he and he carries himself very, very calmly with a low demeanor, and he doesn't get caught up in all the lights that are 
around in Montreal. So um, it was a good lesson to be a pro, um, how, to, how, to, how to treat people, how to, how to, and, how to, and how to play too. Because I, I think I backed him up for about 13 or 12 games. And, you know, in between TV timeouts, like I, I would be so nervous on the bench and I'm not even playing because at any moment you could go in. But he, he would, uh, you know, Sidney Crosby just came down in a breakaway and made a crazy glove save. And then uh, he'd come to the bench and he'd, you know, squirt a little water in his mouth. He's like, just look at me and be like, you know, what do you want to do for dinner? <laughs> it's just like you're in the middle of a game here. It's like it's zero zero against you know Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Mel- Malkin. It's just like you know focus, but it's just like it's this 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 confidence that he has that is very hard to get. And um, still striving to get there. I'm not sure if I'll ever reach it, but you know, like I said, aim high. Yeah. So your season keep going on. Keep yeah, your season is going on. So for the Canadians, and um, price is still hurt. But like, what was your reaction when like? And the coach told you you're starting for the Winter Classic in your hometown, no less. Yeah, it was it was just a series. It was just a constant set of firsts. Like it was the first time I ever done anything. Like you, you, first NHL game is is huge. You know, you get that checked off. You're like, Whew. all right, and I won my first game. You know, which was great because you didn't have that hanging all over your shoulders. Um, and then I play another one. I win that one, which was great. We had a great team. And then all of a sudden, after I've played two starts he's done for the year. And now, you know, it's just like, you're playing the next game. We have no idea what's going to happen in the future and we'll see how you do. And then we'll go from there. So there's a mechanism in the brain that makes you want to project out in the future, what's going to happen. And from there you get anxiety. And then there's things looking in the past of mistakes you make. And from there you get kind of depression because you can't change it. There's nothing you can do about it. So, I really want to avoid those two emotions as much as possible. And the way to do that is just, you know, what are you doing today? What's, what's the schedule for today? And if even that is too daunting, it's like, okay, you know, what are you having for breakfast? All right, go make breakfast. Breakfast is made, eat the breakfast. Okay. I hate the breakfast. Okay. Go to work. Okay. What, what do we want to accomplish in the gym before we go on the ice? Execute that. Okay. Uh, Get dressed. What do you want to do before the practice starts? okay, execute that. So I just made things so small and, and compartmentalized that um, it was never more than a couple hours view in the future of what I wanted to do, and what I wanted to accomplish. And I just kept on checking those things off and, and the season just ticked away. But um, to your other question, it was just, uh, I remember we were playing Tampa and Tampa was still good back then. And I think I lost like four or five games in a row and things weren't looking good. We just traded for Ben Scrivens from Edmonton and he's a very accomplished goalie too. And after the Tampa game is the winter classic game. So, you know, you want to, you want to obviously have a good game in that Tampa game. So that the coach makes, makes the coach's decision a little bit harder and then ended up winning that game in overtime, like five, five, four, like barely, and I'm like, oh, God. And, and, and it's also you got to remember is that they had a camera crew following us around for uh, Winter Classic 24-7. So the three three weeks leading up to that, that camera crew was embedded in us. So it was like this thing's happening in three weeks and they're filming for it. And you really just want to think about that. But, you know, you're playing seven or eight, ten games in between that span. And it's like if you don't take care of business now, that's not going to matter. So ended up taking care of business, luckily. And I ended up getting the tap uh, after the game, like, hey, hey you're gonna, you're gonna go, you're gonna, you're gonna play. And I was just like, oh boy, let's get the, let's get the ticket order, order figured out first, <laughs> All right? You know, yeah. drop a, drop a couple thousand on tickets, and 
make sure the the old man squared away and you know my dad was a former state trooper and you know he he got to escort the bus down to uh to the to the to the Gillette Stadium and I had uh I was I'm, I'm a huge Patriots fan so I had Bill Belichick and uh, I had a special mask made for the game and I had Bill Belichick and Tom Brady on the back with the Super Bowls that they had four at that time and um you know we're, we're there the, the practice before the game and somebody comes out of the locker room and they're like, Hey, Bill and Tom want to sign your helmet. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. I get to meet Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. You kidding me? And they're like, no, 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 you can't meet them. They're traveling today, but they'll sign it for you. So they took a picture of it for me. Them signing it. I still have the back plate um, of my helmet with that. And it was, it was just wild. I mean, it, thankfully the game was at 1 PM. So I didn't have to think about that too long. Cause you got to, for a 1 PM game, you got to wake up at like, uh, at like 7:30, have breakfast by eight. And then you're on the bus by like 9:45. And it was good because I just wake up, eat breakfast, go play. It's not wake up, pregame, skate, nap, eat again, then go play. You don't have to think about it as long. But, uh, yeah, the, the legs were pretty numb. You know, walking out, you had 68,000 people in the stadium that you've been in so long. Um, you've been to country concerts there. You've, you've watched, you know, Tom Brady play there and all your friends and family. And you're wearing the colors of the enemy team. It's like the – it's like the Yankees coming in the Fenway Park, so uh, it was it was it was wild. I think I had like sixty people there, um, so I had a lot of support. But you know, extended friends, probably hundreds. So it was. Uh, luckily, we scored five that game, which was which was nice, which was nice for me. Um, so uh, and they got one with like five minutes left, so I, I I didn't get the shutout, but I was I was just happy to get out of there with a W. And it just happened so quickly. The game's over. Direct, direct bus to, to Logan Airport, direct flight to Montreal. I think I was in my apartment uh, about three hours, three and a half hours after the game ended. And I was just sitting there like, did that just happen? Like, it's like, it, it's sometimes you got to pinch yourself. So I'm very grateful for that experience. And it was a really, really crazy time and that not many people can say they've done. Yeah, stole that game from a Bruins fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Played well that game. Uh, thanks, man. Thanks.